all emotions. They need to move and be expressed. They need an outlet. If they don't have that, they implode or they explode. They implode and they cause health issues, implode into digestive issues, into depression. Those are the two main ones. Or they explode and they come out sideways. They find a way to express. And that's when people also deem them as bad because now it's an atomic bomb. Today, I'm talking nerdy about emotions and emotional processing with Janira Martinez. In this conversation, we'll explore the difference between a cognitive or more analytical top-down approach to emotional processing, as opposed to an approach that's more bottom-up or somatic. We'll also talk about why you might be suppressing or repressing emotion, the impact that has on your physical and mental health, the danger of not feeling your feelings, and how to actually process your emotions so that you don't get stuck in them. Janira Martinez is a desire and soul coach on a mission to empower women by embracing emotions and vulnerability. Through her unique blend of somatic healing, sensual practices, spirit guidance, and unwavering compassion, Janira creates a supportive environment for getting out of the head and into the body, alchemizing pain into power, and transforming stagnancy into a rich, desire-led life. Before you dive in, I would love if you could hit pause and leave us a five-star review. In doing so, you help get this podcast into the ears and brains of more listeners like you. Now let's dive in and start talking nerdy. Welcome, Janira Martinez, to Talk Nerdy to Me. I am so excited to have you on today because... I've had the opportunity to personally experience being coached and supported by you, and your methodology is very controversial to what my background is in, which is this highly analytical, top-down approach. And from the neuroscientific, psychological perspective, there are really three components to our emotional experience. The first is the subjective experience that we each have. The second is the physiological, biological reaction. The third is the behavioral output or the behavioral expression. And while knowing all of those things is super, super helpful, it doesn't actually do the work for us of feeling and processing and actually moving through our emotions. And that is such an area of expertise for you. And I'm so excited to be sharing your knowledge and wisdom with listeners today. So thank you so much for being willing to come on. Thanks for having me. And thanks for naming that piece about all the intellectual knowledge being amazing and so necessary, but also not the thing that actually transforms. (laughs) Because, Yeah, that's what I found in my own experience. Yeah, it's not enough to have a conceptual or intellectual understanding of our emotions. We also have to actually do the feeling of it in order to move forward. Yeah, uncomfortable, but so worth it. Absolutely. So I guess a good place to begin would just be by hearing a little bit more about where you started this journey of exploring your own emotional experience and the role of emotional processing and healing and transformation personally. Yeah, I'd say it's probably around seven years ago, I got on this emotional healing path through some sexuality and intimacy courses that I came across. But actually, just for a little context, I was already in the healing space. I was both working in the nutrition field, holistic nutrition, and working on healing my own body. I'd had 
chronic health issues through all of my 20s that led me to seek out support and alternatives to Western medicine. And I'd gotten pretty far in my healing, but I'd hit a wall. Like I'd improved just to a certain point and then I was just stuck. And I didn't know why. I mean, I was doing all the right things, like eating so, quote unquote, perfectly, cleanly, and taking all these supplements to support my body, my organs, my detox pathways, like you name it, you know, to balance out deficiencies. And yeah, something was just still like not moving. And at the same time, I was, to put it simply, I was stuck in my life, but I didn't really realize that I was stuck. Like everything looked good on paper. But I was feeling like a void inside of myself. And I couldn't understand why, because again, things looked good on the surface. I was in this relationship with what I call like this checklist man. And I was I was doing nutrition work, but I was still doing fashion photography work, which was my career before I got into any of this healing space and pretty successful at it. And I had lots of friends, lived in New York City, like had a social life, you name it. Um, but there was a void. Something was missing. I didn't feel fulfilled. And the thing that was most obvious was like my sex was unfulfilling. I have this really good looking man who has all these other amazing, you know, traits that are on my list. And somehow like I'm not able to enjoy myself, which had never been a problem in the past. And so I thought something was wrong with me. I'm broken. So I sought out, you know, some support specifically in that space, in the sexuality realm, found these classes and through that started connecting with my body. I thought I was connected with my body. I'm like doing all this nutrition stuff. I'm taking care of my body. Loving all that was really not connected to my body in the way that I am now. And what really opened up for me, interestingly, was through those classes and specifically through these these sexuality practices that involve touch is I saw how frozen I was physically and emotionally. I couldn't feel very much except tightness in my jaw. All I could feel was tightness in my jaw for months of doing this practice. And slowly over time and through coaching and support through those courses, I learned that it was because I had all this repressed emotion in my body that had caused me to just shut down. There's this expression that I love that you can't selectively numb. I think you posted that actually, right? My teachers um, taught me that one. I say it now all the time. And it was like, I thought I could selectively numb the uncomfortable emotions from my life, from my childhood, mostly anger and, and grief and sadness, which... I really judge the the latter two as pathetic and weak. And well, that led to me just numbing everything. Joy, pleasure, everything became shut down in my body. And so as I was doing this work to turn my my sex back on, well, what really started coming through was anger that was stored in my body, all this grief that was underneath it, cue me crying like every day for months. It sounds intense, but it was actually cathartic. And so, yeah, I started to see that there was so much buried inside and got support through courses around healing and coaching to actually begin looking at all that I buried decades worth. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm super curious how 
your relationship with your body changed through doing this work and specifically your physical health? Because there's a huge amount of research within the scientific community around emotional suppression and how when we withhold emotions, when we suppress, when we repress, when we don't give ourselves permission to feel, it dramatically increases our sympathetic nervous system activity or our body's fight or flight stress response. What we know about that fight or flight stress response is that it's necessary for immediate survival, but everything that contributes to long-term survival gets shut down. So when we're in a state of stress, our digestive system shuts down, our hormonal systems, our endocrine system shuts down because can't make babies if we're gonna <laughs> not going to survive the next five minutes. Our immune system shuts down because we can't fight viruses if we're not going to survive the next five minutes. So I'm really curious how your physical health changed as you started to emotionally heal. I'm glad you brought that up because I started to see a huge difference a few months in, especially after I reached that point of de-thawing, like melting open so that the tears could start coming through and crying every day. The difference that I started feeling in my body was profound. So some of the health issues that I had were exactly what you mentioned, digestive issues, IBS, which is you know just a made up term for all types of digestive symptoms, you know, that plagues people and that, that doctors don't really understand the root of, right? So I was dealing with that constantly. I was dealing with hormonal issues, sluggish thyroid. I mean, you name it, I had it. And so what I started to see was that my body could digest certain foods that I'd been avoiding. Well, here's the thing. I started to get these cravings for things that I'd been avoiding because they were bad for me. My body couldn't handle them. And so something in me just started to wake up. And specifically, the first thing that came through was donuts. I was like, I want donuts. I don't even eat gluten or sugar. Like, what? what is this? But I couldn't stop craving donuts. And I finally, the work that I was doing was also very much based in like the principles of following your desire really listening to what your body's whispers are asking for you to have. And so donuts were what my body was asking for. And I was scared to have it. I will have severe pain like in my body if I eat that, severe bloating, severe TMI, you know, but diarrhea and things like that if I eat it. But finally, I just said, you know what, this thing is, this call is so loud to have it. I'm going to have it. And my body digested it so well. And I don't mean like, oh, just one time, like I ate donuts every day for weeks, like until the craving just stopped. And it wasn't just donuts. Like I started to just be able to expand what I was able to have in my diet and noticed that my body was fine, more than fine. It was like what I think a normal body is supposed to function like digestive wise. And not only did my digestion improve, but I had more energy and slept better. I just felt better. I felt happier. And that was a big thing that was correlated with my with my hormones, my thyroid issues was like I would have these depressive slumps and, you know, just be really stuck in a dark pit for no particular reason or not one that I could see anyway. And I just started to feel like more energized and happy as a regular thing, even though I'm crying regularly as well. I'm like, I have, you know, spells of crying and then just feel great. What I now know, I'm not that 
scientific of a person like you. Like I, I research these things, I study them, and I they don't stick in my brain. It's like astrology for me. Like none of it, like as many readings as I've had, I can never remember any of the details. But my body knows, my body remembers. The night and day shift was monumental. I felt like something in me was coming alive and finally functioning the way I was supposed to. And I know that's because I made space for like another level of detox to happen. Not just the physical toxins, the emotional toxins that have been backlog and stored in my organs and my tissues and my cells, negatively affecting and suppressing everything. We're finally clearing through those tears and the energy was able to flow in my body in a new way. I felt that in such a deep level. So what I'm hearing you say is feeling your feelings and donuts are the answer. That's the remedy. That's the remedy, okay? The four of you love, you're looking for one. <laughs> you know, it, but it's funny though, because you would think that I was eating donuts to suppress my feelings, you know, like people eat ice cream and whatever. And I've, I've just never been one of those people that I like usually won't eat much if I'm in grief, you know? So it didn't, it didn't feel like that. It felt like my body was waking up and asking for me to listen. And the only way that I was able to really listen was at this like micro level. Well, it was asking me to listen to my true desires because here's the whole thing. Like my life, even though it looked good on paper, was so unaligned. I wanted and needed something sweeter, truer, richer, a relationship that felt more loving and true, a career that felt more aligned and true, sweeter. But I couldn't have heard those. If that had come in right away, those messages, I would have been terrified to change any of those things in my life. So all I could start doing was moving toward eating donuts, just to learn to be able to trust my body's cues and desires. That was just where I was at and what was in range. So it's of course not going to be donuts for everyone, but it's often clients that don't know what their desires are when they're starting this work with me. I'm like, let's just listen even to the most minute things that are coming through because that's the medicine for you in order to be able to listen and trust what your body is really wanting. That is brilliant. And just to bring in a little bit of the nerdy neuroscientific piece, the part of our brain that allows for the chemical cascade to move down into our body, evoking an emotional experience, is the hypothalamus. It's also the same part of our body that's responsible for our hunger and thirst signals. So not rooted in science, but in the Alex Nashton School of Philosophy. I really believe that this part of our brain and our psyche is is really working in alignment in terms of our emotions being an indicator for what our hunger is out of life, what in our life we are hungry for. So I think that that is actually the most perfect scientific analogy that you could possibly bring to this conversation. So thank you so, so much. I want to backtrack to something you said a little while ago about having a particularly challenging time with, I think you said sadness and anger. And I'm curious if you can speak a little bit more to the emotional experiences that a lot of people deem as negative or unpleasant, like shame and jealousy, rage, sadness, anger, grief, and the necessity of being able to process those and move through those. And why having this kind of dualistic mentality around it where we label those as bad and think that they're problematic purely because they exist why that is actually a bigger problem than the emotions in and of themselves. 
I love this question. It is one of the things I preach most. There are no bad emotions. There are no bad feelings. There are no bad parts. It is all for you. And of course, we're taught through conditioning that, well, certain things like you just mentioned are bad and wrong. But really, that's mostly because our parents and our teachers and all the people that have taught us that just haven't learned how to deal with it and they're overwhelmed by it. So they shut it down in themselves and then they shut it down in us, you know, so that they won't have to feel uncomfortable when we're expressing those feelings. So it's so deeply conditioned in our culture, but it's not bad. What is bad is the shutting down of those feelings and all feelings, all emotions. I'll say emotions, right? Emotions are, this is kind of cheesy, right? But energy in motion, they need to move and be expressed. They need an outlet. If they don't have that, what happens? They get trapped inside of us. They either get trapped, and I call it, I made this up in the Janeiro Martinez school of, of healing, they implode or they explode. They implode and they cause health issues. And I'm so clear now that my thyroid issues were due to me not expressing my true feelings, desires, and needs my digestive issues due to stuffing it all down, all those feelings and holding them in, in that center of my body, connected to my traumatic childhood, just holding and storing all of that, right? So of course there's no space for food to move. My freaking organs are constipated or were constipated with so much else, right? So they implode into digestive issues, into depression. Those are the two main ones right? They will implode into, they just like way down on you or apathy, uh, numbness, like I was experiencing physical and emotional numbness, right? This, and then all sorts of things stem from there. Or they explode and they come out, what I call sideways. They find an, a way to express. And that's when people also deem them as bad because, oh no, now the anger is coming out through this scary fit of rage because it's been suppressed for so long. And like all the things have built upon each other. Now now it's an atomic bomb when it comes out because it's so big, right? And so of course people look at that and it's like, that's bad. Or someone might have looked at me crying every day for three months and like, wow, that's bad. She's depressed. But I'd never felt more free, light, happy, energized than until that point I was feeling in that period. So I think that answers your question. It's bad because it has a negative impact on us if we hold it in or on others if we explode it out. And it's good to feel them because it helps clear that stored energy and has us be more present with life, not not reacting from all these stored painful wounds that we're like trying to pretend aren't there, right? And not avoiding life because of our pain and our wounds and our fears. We're able to just be more present in, in life and feel better. And there's, there's something else I want to say about it, actually, about why feeling your feelings is good. Feeling those dark emotions, just like you can't selectively numb, you can't selectively open and just choose to feel gratitude and joy and all the things that are pleasant. You can pretend like I was doing for years. I was very into not just health, but um, new age spirituality and some Buddhism. And so I was practicing like forgiving my family and forgiving all the men that had hurt me and so on and so forth and practicing being grateful for all the hard lessons. 
And whenever anger or sadness would come up, I would just notice them and wash them away, breathe them away into a cloud, all this shit. And, and that was my own bastardized interpretation of spirituality. That's not what actually spirituality teaches. But I was doing all of this and it led to suppression. When I started to express through my body and through safe containers where I could share the unfiltered thoughts related to those emotions, I started to feel amazing. And this is, I've seen this with dozens of clients now, more than dozens, because I've had so many health coaching clients in the past and life coaching clients all of them, the same results. They feel so much more alive and free. Amazing. Something that I also want to circle back to is this idea of following desire, because I think that it's very loaded for a lot of people, right? Because we could argue that addiction is just following desire and following desire and following desire. And something that you mentioned that I think is so important that I really want to highlight for listeners is that with the donuts, for example, because I come from a family of people who have food addiction, that compulsion to eat and eat constantly. We could argue is following a desire, but what you shared is that the donut was a deeper desire. It was a truer desire for what you actually wanted, which was sweetness and fullness and fulfillment out of your entire life. And I'm curious how, for myself personally and listeners, how we can identify the difference between those surface level desires of I want to fill a void, I want to fill a hole with my family and food addiction, I want this donut so that I don't have to feel my feelings in the same way that some people will use pints of Ben and Jerry's ice cream or chocolate. And how to identify what a true underlying like soul driven desire is. The thing I learned about feeling true desire and that I now live by and teach is this practice of slowing down to feel your desire in your body and slowing down enough to be able to discern if it's coming from a deeper place inside of you, which is connected to truth, or if it's coming from the neck up, right? From your mind and your ego and your attachment, your addictions, your escapism, it's a very distinct physical sensation. Basically, when something is, you know, the latter, like an addiction or just an attachment to escape or something else or a fantasy, usually the person doesn't feel much sensation in their body. It's hard to even track. They'll have good reasons for it. Well, I just like chocolate ice cream. It's my favorite. I grew up with it. Whatever, right? And I'm like, well, how do you, what does it feel like in your body? Kind of flat, usually, right? There won't be that much sensation around it. Sometimes there will be, and then we explore the undercurrents of that. Well, what is that sensation pointing to? What does it want you to know? And either way, this is actually what the core practice is. It's slowing down enough so you feel the sensation in your body. For me, the truth is always like deep in my, like the lowest part of my gut and in my pussy. And my, that's just where I feel like this gravity and stillness and clunk. And my mind is actually pretty quiet. Whereas when it's an egoic attachment, my mind just wants to justify the thing and explain it. It's not real. And so I feel like I have to defend the thing, you know, and justify it. And so when I 
slow down to feel it in my body, whether it's, let's say I'm feeling it really clearly like a clunk in my gut or I'm feeling it very lightly, almost flat. Either way, I explore it. What's feeling? The sensation, hot, warm, cold, cool, tingling, uh, quiet, loud, buzzing, whatever. And then, okay, if I stay with that and I can just get curious, what does it want me to know? What does it want for me? It will tell me. It took practice to be able to hear clearly, but now I can hear it. Let's say it is a donut. Just wants me to like allow myself to have a treat and some sweetness that I have been missing in my life. Wants me to like have something a little bit colorful and playful and reminiscent of my, I don't know, my like sparkly side of me, my, my little girl. Or if it's not true, I'll hear the voice. I want some comfort. It wants an escape. It just wants to feel good temporarily. The body speaks to me and to all the people that I've taught how to do this to them as well. So it's slowing down to feel those feelings and listening to what they're telling you. And then from there, you can decide <laughs> what do you want to do? Yeah. Well, I want to explore that piece a little bit more because one of the things that I encounter in my coaching practice so much as well, and one of the things that I struggled with years ago was having an emotional experience and being like, I need to do something with this. Like, how do I get rid of this emotion so that I can feel better and push it away? And as I just mentioned, that pushing it away is a form of suppression when we're so eager to process it and make it end and get it over with, we actually typically just suppress and prolong our suffering. <laughs> so in terms of the physicality of it, what is it that you would recommend listeners do? Or if somebody was working with you as a coaching client, what is the actual process of working through our emotions and giving them space to be felt and experienced, what does that even entail? Well, let's say there's a desire to get away from, let's say you're really sad after a breakup. You want to be done with it. You want to process it, right? First of all, welcome that in. Welcome whatever is there in every desire, every feeling, every emotion. So there's a part that's eager to get away. Cool. What does that feel like in your body? Where does that live? Oh, is it like a, a clawing out of your skin? Great. Let's feel that. Why does it want to get away? Oh, and then we just get curious. It's the same thing, right? It feels like this in the body. And then what does it want? What does it need? What is it trying to tell you? I'm afraid that I'll be consumed by the sadness and that I'll fall into a pit of despair. So we feel and we listen. And usually when there's resistance like that and you just listen to it, it quiets down, it settles. Because all parts of us just want to be, like I said, right, express that energy wants outlet. So it getting to be felt by you, acknowledged by you, and heard already often is enough medicine for you to be able to then get to the deeper layers. Okay, so now that part that was trying to claw its way out of the sadness is relaxed address the sadness. What does that feel like in my body? Oh, it's warm and heavy in my heart, in my chest. It feels like a well is in there, really, you know, whatever it is, right? Whatever it feels like, you slow down to feel that and 
some people really like I'm very visual, so I'll feel it in my body, but I'll see it like I just said, like a well, or I'll have an image of it like a deep, dark lake. So however it comes to you, be with that and give it space. Maybe even before you get curious about it, see if you can just give it space to be with it. Welcome it in. This is always the number one thing once we access it is, can we welcome this into? And I'll literally have people say, and I do this with myself, is I welcome this, this thing that's here right now. So I welcome this sadness. Or if it was the resistance, I welcome this resistance. I see you, I hear you. And then from there, invite curiosity. And the top two questions are, what do you want me to know? And what do you want or need from me? You can ask other questions, other variations, but if you only ask those two, you will get a wealth of information. And I will say that it may take several tries to be able to have that thing in you, especially for me, sadness was not allowed in my home. I was told, you want a reason to cry, I'll give you a reason. And there was a lot of physical violence, abuse, beatings, all of that. So I would cry in the bathroom and swallow it like as quickly as possible so nobody would catch me and, you know, punish me for that. So it took a while for that emotion to feel, I say for the emotion to feel safe, but it's like the young part of me that didn't feel safe to express that emotion for that part to feel safe to even be able to whisper, okay, I need your love. So don't beat yourself up if there's nothing coming through but a visual or a sensation and that's all and you don't hear a voice, great, return to it later. And one other tip is if it's overwhelming to feel if things are coming through, you can always slow down, create some safety for yourself in your body, like find a resource inside yourself. A resource is just something that you can be nourished by in the moment that's easy to be with. So you scan your body and you find a place maybe that doesn't feel so heavy or tight or hot or, you know, throbbing if it's anger. Maybe it's your pinky toe and that feels warm and soft and squishy and you can just be with that for a few moments and usually what that does is just opens up space for everything else for the the other emotions and the things you were feeling so it's not so intense to be with it those are hopefully easy enough steps to follow does that make sense yeah it absolutely makes sense and one of the things that you mentioned before in terms of defining emotion is energy and motion. And I'm curious if you think that that slowing down, reconnecting, welcoming it in, and then asking those two questions, if that's enough for the motion to move through us or if there's anything else physically that we can be doing. Because one of the things that I was taught, and again, this is a very top-down approach from you know my background in neuroscience is that the purpose of certain emotions like anger, for example, or fear is to compel us to take action. When we feel anger, it's compelling us to fight. So having a practice, which I do, where I'm like beating up a pillow on my bed and screaming into it or locking myself in the car at the end of a dead end road and screaming for a moment and giving myself a physical outlet so that it's not just inside of me, but also is having this external motion too in a very safe and healthy way. I know that's been super supportive for me. And I'm curious if you think that there's a value to that as well, in addition to the kind of somatic slowing down. Oh, absolutely. 
a thousand percent. I do this regularly. <laughs> I love punching a pillow, okay, or throwing it, you know, against a bed. And yes, so physically having an outlet for that energy can be so supportive, especially if you're not able to slow down in that moment because you're just really activated and it, the energy is just so intense that you can't even slow down and feel a resource. Forget that. Then scream into your hands. You know, there's a silent scream method where you just cup your hands and let out a guttural exhale that's got the energy of a scream. So if you're afraid of making noise, you, you don't even have to make a loud noise for that, that power and the energy to still come out. There's the hitting of pillows. There's the shaking. If I'm angry, not just shake, to shake it off. Because for me, emotionally, it feels like I'm trying to get the anger to go away from just shaking and getting anything to go away from me or trying to get anything to go away from me just feels dismissive. And my body just does not like that. It wants like everything to be welcomed. But I'll shake and have my fifth punching the air at the same time so that I'm giving that energy space to express. And then there's things for sadness too, like rocking yourself or taking, you can look it up online, like a grief pose where you're kind of like arms out and you're like, why me, God? I'm, you know, like that kind of energy. You can do those things for sure. And I just find sometimes, often, I will say actually, that what's needed is whether we do that first, that physical outlet, or we do that later, what's needed regardless is to slow down and get curious about what's underneath. Because if it's hysterical, it's historical. So by hysterical, it means if it's a really strong activation, it's pointing to something deeper in you. So you're not just pissed off that, you know, your partner didn't do the dishes again. You're probably pissed off because you feel like you're not being supported and you feel like you're not being met in the ways that you need in the relationship. And then that is triggering something in childhood where your parents didn't support and meet you in the ways that you need. And so if you just punch it out and then move on, you're not getting to address that deeper thing inside of you that is really the activating force. It'll just keep coming up. It'll keep coming up until you address it. So in my work, that's what we do. And sometimes there's not much because it's just, oh, this person on the street, you know, looked at me and whatever and said something stupid to me. And that's it. And what's not about anything deeper. Great. But your body will tell you, well, there's nothing really here to explore. But it will also tell you if there's more, if you're willing to slow down. It's hard to give a formula because sometimes there's enough space to just slow down and listen. And the body will tell you once you get to the curiosity phase and you ask, what do you want me to know or what do you need? It'll tell you, I need to fucking punch something right now. I need to cry and hold myself. It'll tell you if that's what's needed. But often what I have found is that that's not even what's needed. It just needs to be heard, validated, and loved. For about a year I was working with this amazing coach who does you know, somatic work and um, IFS, internal family systems, and a bunch of other things. And for about a year with her, I was just learning tools to give outlets to these emotions, anger and sadness, the, the two biggest ones that I had a hard time with. And so I was doing a lot of these things, punching pillows and wailing and all of that, shaking and, and screaming. And then it got to a point where it just felt like 
again, like I was hitting a wall. So, okay, a trigger would come up and I'd do this, but it just felt like something deeper was still lingering, covering through my life. And I'd become sensitive enough to be able to notice that thing in the background. And my then coach, she said to me, I think it's time to stop doing those practices for a while and to see if you can just slow down to feel. And that this is where I really learned this several years ago. I was like, I don't want to slow down. Like, I don't want to feel. I just want to just let it out. But I did. And so much stuff from childhood started coming up. And this was after a dark night of the soul, a huge breakup where all these abandonment wounds got triggered. And not just my then partner, a friend and a, and a previous mentor, which and all of those were dysfunctional relationships. And so I was doing all of these practices, but I wasn't addressing that abandonment from childhood that this was triggering until I slowed down. And when I did, first time in my life that I really met my inner child, I'd connected with her previously and dismissed her at judgment about how weak she was. This was the first time that I met her, welcomed her in, loved her, heard her story, heard her pain, and I healed that abandonment. It took months, but I healed that wound. And from there, was able to create completely different relationships with men and people in my life, boundaries, All of these things that just staying on the surface and letting out the energy through this outlet wasn't enough to get me to. That is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I think what it really clearly shows me is that when we have this relationship with our emotions, that they're this demon-like entity that we need to exercise from our system, it only continues to reaffirm a lot of the messaging and programming that most of us received, which is that it's not okay to feel these things in the first place, where it's almost this pendulum swing into the other extreme of instead of not feeling it at all to try to feel it so quickly that you bypass the actual sensation of it. And so I think that what you're offering right now is so important in terms of affirming and validating the way that we feel not as a means to stew in it and linger in it and get stuck in it forever or use it to perpetuate any victim mentality stuff, but as a way of actually being able to move through it in a really healthy way. So thank you for sharing more of that with us. You're welcome. Moving through it in a healthy way, but getting to the other side, really getting the gems of what this thing is is trying to show you, what it's trying to bring forth from within you so that you can be free of shackles and pain from your past. That's why I feel like these intense hysterical moments, hysterical reactions come up for us. They're a messenger. Hello, there's something in here that needs your attention and not just your momentary attention. It's similar to spiritual bypass. It can be, not always. I never said this term until now, but I'm going to coin it. There can even be a certain extent of somatic bypassing. Somatic bypassing trademarked by Janira Martinez. I want to create a program around this called Medicine Woman to help women with chronic health issues bring in shamanic tools, plant medicine, along with somatic tools and their child's work, coaching all of these things to, to heal deeply all the way down to, to their cellular body and their emotional bodies. Until Medicine Woman is officially birthed into the world, if someone wanted to work with you What is the best way for them to learn more about you and from you? Where can they get in touch? Definitely, if you're on Instagram, find me on Instagram. I'm at Janira underscore Martinez. Um, 
you can reach out to me there to send me a DM. I'm very open to to messages um, or on my website, JaniraMartinez.com. Amazing. And all of the links to those things are going to be in the show notes for anyone who's listening. So you'll have really easy access to them. Thank you so, so much for being willing to come on here with me today and talk nerdy to me. And I feel a lot better after having this conversation just in terms of slowing down and checking in with myself. So I feel like I got a lot out of this, too. And I'm really, really grateful for your time and attention and expertise. Thank you for having me. If you loved this episode, help us get it into the ears and brains of more listeners like you by sharing it on social media. When you share on Instagram, make sure you tag me at Alex underscore Nashton. Instagram is also the best place to send me your questions about the episode material and make requests for future topics and guests. New episodes of Talk Nerdy to Me drop every single Wednesday. When you hit subscribe, you'll be notified of new releases so you never have to miss one. Last but not least, this podcast baby would not be possible without Adam Russell. Adam, I am so grateful to have had your support in creating this podcast. Thank you for always being willing to talk nerdy to me.